0: Yeah, it doesn't matter what business you're in. It also doesn't matter if you think it only takes one minute of your time. Like again, business owners do a thousand things a day. And if you do those 1,000 little things a day that only take a minute, you're, you're going to die by a thousand cuts.
1: This is Oversharing with Mikhail Alfon. Mikhail Alfon. What is up, you lovely listener? Welcome to another episode of Oversharing. Our guest today absolutely loves restaurants, but not necessarily in the same ways that you and I might. After attending California State University in Long Beach, he founded and managed the Cajun Corner Restaurant, an Asian-Cajun fusion restaurant in Orange County, California. He later moved on to become the senior director of development for Fransmart, a franchise development firm that grows brands like Five Guys and Z Pizza, where he took the brands from five stores to 3,000 worldwide and 100 stores worldwide, respectively. In 2014, he became a partner in Halal or Nothing LLC, which is the exclusive franchisee of the Halal Guys in Southern California, which as of September 2019 owns 11 stores. In addition to owning and running some of our favorite chains, he's also an advisor to small companies, helping them increase store count, create systems, find real estate, and implement automation. And as if that's not enough, he also spends his time as a director at the Shaft Foundation, which helps change lives of the poor and hard to reach. But before I speak too much, please join me in welcoming Paul Tran to Overshare. How you doing, man?
0: Good, man. That's <laughs> You did your research. Thank you, man.
1: You the hardest s- sentence I'm ever going to say in my life is, Founded and managed Cajun Corner Restaurant, an Asian Cajun fusion restaurant. <laughs> tongue twister, tongue twister. That was the hardest thing. I can't believe I got it out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It was flawless. Good job, man. Good job. I'm impressed.
1: Uh, thank you, man. I was going over that with uh, with Alexa, my fiance, last night. And she's like, yeah, that is a lot. But is that store still open? Because I want to try it
0: out. <laughs> uh, the store actually changed hands a couple of times. So mm. it ca- turned from Cajun Corner to now it's called Cajun Islands. So
1: it's still around?
0: It's still around. I don't know if the recipe has been tampered with. or. Where is it at? It's, uh, in Little Saigon in Bolsa on uh, McFadden and Brookhurst. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay.
1: That's like a really small like corner, I feel like. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it was actually so the when we took that spot over, the cool story was uh, the guys who owned the the noodle shop before we took over, they went to that liquor store at the other corner and won the fifty five million dollar lottery. Oh wow! So they just left. We just decided hopefully lightning strikes twice. <laughs> but we just took over that spot and uh, yeah, made it made it our own. So
1: wow, that's cool. Yeah, what I love about these, we had a little bit of a chance to catch up, or I mean, to talk a little bit before we started recording. But what I love about these shows. And oversharing is that I get to know somebody for the first time. One thing I always start with is, "What were you like in high school?"
0: <laughs> in high school, uh, it was one of the best moments of my life. Uh, I'm a middle child, and so you know the middle child syndrome, where my older brother got all the respect and responsibility, and my younger sister got all the spoilage, and and she was the only girl. So, I, I you know I think I kind of overacted, overreacted a lot just to get attention. Yeah, I looked for a lot of my attention and validation in, in high school. I was super involved in uh, like key club, volleyball team. Uh, volleyball was the best part of my life as well. Um, but as far as high school behavior, I wasn't the smartest kid, but I always hung out with all my, all my friends are smart. They were all like valedictorians and salutatorians. And so I was able to copy notes. And, and just, <laughs> I think that's where I got the whole idea for hacking hacking yeah. life. So yeah, it was a good childhood. I didn't get too much trouble.
1: So you graduated high school around what, 2000, 2001? 2000. 2000, okay. Yeah. So this is long before, not long before, but like text messaging was kind of coming out when you were in high school. It was two-way paging beepers. Oh, it was yeah, still yeah. that? Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And your parents like barging in on three-way calls? No, they didn't know that I had them. so <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, Don't get caught. did you ever Did you ever cheat on a test in high school? Hopefully this doesn't
0: transfer into my reputation now, but yes.
1: No, I think we all did to a certain. <laughs> what was the biggest hack for that? I'll share mine if you share yours.
0: Gosh, I, you know, it, nothing too sexy or cool story to tell. It's mainly like my my smart friends would just say, "Here, just take this with you, and, and you'll be okay." Uh, so it's just like pages <laughs> right under under the test or giving codes like A, B, or C with one, two, three fingers. So uh, yeah, that's that one's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I like that one. What about yours? Um, I had two. One of them was, like, we were only allowed to have water, so I'd get a water bottle and, same, have my friends take the notes if they were in a period before and write down all the answers or facts that I needed to know or formulas or whatever it is, put it on the inside of the label on my water bottle, keep that on my desk. (laughs) And then the other one is um, a rubber band. So if you stretch a rubber band, you can write notes in it and then unstretch it, right? Gosh. So then you can't see that there's all these notes, so I would just, like, kind of pull it in the middle of a test. Brilliant, dude. Yeah, I wish, I mean, in retrospect, like it'd be cool if I just studied and took the test so that I could have went to like proper college. <laughs> but, but you don't appreciate any of that stuff until later, so. <laughs> and for the record, I don't think it translates into the reputation okay, now. That good. was like 20 years ago. <laughs> okay. if, if First of all, if anybody says that they didn't cheat on any tests all throughout I high school, I don't trust them. I can't that do doesn't work make with sense. <laughs> yeah. There had to be one time where you just didn't study or whatever it was and needed like a little extra help. There's nothing. <laughs> my, <laughs> it's just being resourceful. Yes, I like that. I like you. I like
0: you, man. That's awesome.
1: So, from what's the Key Club, by the way? I don't know what that is. Key Club is uh,
0: just mainly networking and social. But but the head of the Key Club would always try to find like volunteer opportunities, like you know, this weekend beach cleanup, this other weekend, Mm. always like maybe visit a senior home and and spend time with them, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, Then also, all the high schools in our area would uh, they would have these big events where all the Key Clubs from each school would just meet up and. Talk about volunteer work, but I see most people just <laughs> making out yeah. and, and hooking up right. and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a little bit of both. But it was a good good intention,
1: and it was really cool. So you went to Saddleback High School, which is in San Juan. Uh, Santa Ana. Santa Ana. Yeah. I don't know how I got that wrong. That makes sense, actually. Well, there's also because Saddleback Valley
0: and Saddleback. Yeah, there's all true, of these things. Saddleback. Yeah, That's there's true. a lot of
1: other things that are off, but I, so I grew up in Santa Ana. Right, and you yeah. moved here from North Carolina. Do you have like any memories from North Carolina? Uh, the only memory I have is just playing in the snow. Oh, that's and nice. And school shutting down because
0: it, we got snowed in. Yeah, we don't so. have those
1: days here. Yeah, yeah. But now they're giving like days off for the day after Halloween. Did your kids have that? No. Yeah, there's a. I have like a little through the big brothers, big sisters, and uh-huh. he. Ha- they got the day after Halloween off. It's because to uh, offset the overly sedated,
0: medicated
1: candy. Kids or Are you would? They probably just didn't want to deal with the hyperactivity from the sugar. <laughs> the yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the only yeah. thing I could think of. <laughs> so you spent most of your life in Orange County. It seems like
0: yeah, yeah, all my life, yeah, pretty much all my conscious life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> in Long
0: Beach State, Long Beach State, yeah. How was that for you? I don't have much of a memory there. I, I loved the, all the classes. I loved the the lax culture there. But I've always been a workaholic, and, mm. and I at the time I had a girlfriend, and so she went to UCI. So that I'd go to work from nine to five, go to school from seven to 10, and then I'd go back to UCI and, and hang out with my girlfriend after. So I had no friends from college, but most of my friends are from high
1: school. What were you working from nine to five at in college? I feel uh, like that's tough.
0: So I've always been pretty entrepreneurial and always wanted to make money. So my I had a sales job at a mortgage company. Okay. Yeah, that was during the refi boom. So <laughs> yeah, it was a good time.
1: You started the... Cajun Corner Restaurant in 2005, which is right yes. about when you were graduating from college. I did not graduate. Oh, you didn't? No, no. That's uh, awesome. That makes me so happy.
0: <laughs> Wait, did you? Did, you,
1: did you? No, I No. Who <laughs>
0: goes to college?
1: Just kidding, kids. Oh, Please go to college. Yeah, we
0: should probably talk about that in a little bit.
1: I definitely want to talk about why you didn't graduate from
0: college. Uh, I, I believe education, being a lifelong learner, is the key to living forever and always being relevant and, and having a meaningful life, but... At that time, we did have an opportunity to open this restaurant. It was becoming so much work for me to balance both school, schoolwork, girlfriend, and everything involved. And so I was at a fork in the road where I just decided, you know, either I try to balance both. And if this business fails, then I'll always live in regret wondering if I could have done more. Mm. Or if I took this chance and just ran the business, and if I dropped out of school, I'd always... I can always recover from school. I can always go back to school later. Yeah. But uh, you know, I, I think it was my ego as well. Like I, I can't risk failing this business. Mm. So, so I decided to go with the option that had more options, which was to just run the business. So I, I dropped out of school the very last semester.
1: Only had one more semester. That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. You should just go back and finish just for the fun of it. No. You have all these automations set in place. I'm sure you could have uh, one of your VAs do yeah, it There's doing so creative. much more
0: fun stuff to do. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Another cool thing is that uh, I actually didn't tell my parents about it for two years. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So uh, ran the business, always came home stinking like crawfish <laughs> and parents didn't know why and uh, they thought I graduated. So it's a pretty shameful part of my life, but um, they've forgiven me ever since.
1: <laughs> how, did you come, how did you come across the opportunity to even start a business at this time?
0: In high school I, I read this book, you know, Rich Dad Poor Dad. No. Okay. And so that book just pretty much is the philosophy of everybody went to school, went to college, got a good education, graduated, got a degree. That was the key to success. Why isn't why is everybody miserable? Why is everybody unsuccessful or unfulfilled? And they just said that, you know, school kind of teaches you to be a good employee, not a good thinker, independent, entrepreneurial type of person. So that book pretty much shifted my mind from, you know, instead of trading hours for dollars, why not become a business owner or being an investor where, you know, it's it's not related to the time you put in. It's about smart decisions. And and so that pretty much just turned me on to being entrepreneurial for, for quite a long time. And I was always just looking for things to, to get involved with that allowed me to be a business owner. And of course, got involved in like all these multi-level marketing and all <laughs> these other things that I have this beautiful selective memory. I don't remember them anymore, but uh, it wasn't until I, um, do you know The Boiling Crab? Yeah. Yeah, so I just saw The Boiling Crab at the time was the only game in town and it had like three hour wait, two hour, three hour waits at all times. And I'm just like, if I just open a restaurant that just served the leftovers, people are not willing to wait for for two hours, like I'm pretty sure I have a market there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's my we didn't have any restaurant experience. My buddy was a good cook, but he wasn't a professional cook. He's just like, Yeah, I can make the recipe, sure. We just totally like bullshitted and bootstrapped and just winged everything. And because there was such a gap in the marketplace, we were it worked out. We yeah. made so many mistakes, but thank God uh the the sales pretty much absorbed all the mistakes that we made, which were <laughs> a lot. Yeah, it was just opportunistic. It wasn't because I was passionate, it was just because I thought it could make money. So
1: mm. Yeah. When you finally exited that restaurant, why did you end up doing that?
0: We were all young and one of my buddies, my partners, he went to school as an engineer. He wanted to finish pursuing that. And one of my other partners, he is a filmmaker mm. and he wanted to just finish going to school for that. So part of us was just, we're just young and ADD. We, we weren't committed to this. Yeah. And we also got an offer to get bought out for almost three times what we put into it. And at that time, that's like you know, I want to be, I want to get bought out. Like that yeah. sounds sexy. So we sold out. Still sounds sounds sexy. Yeah, to yeah, me. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, super, you were 25, 26? Yeah, we take yeah, just about. Nice dude. And um, we got super lucky because that was in two thousand eight, right before the economy mm. took a dump. Like we got so lucky. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like we knew what we we're doing, but we did not.
1: At what point did you finally tell your parents that you didn't finish school? <laughs>
0: Um, when you rolled up like
1: in your new car or something like that.
0: <laughs> No, dude, okay. I actually had to pick up crawfish from Louisiana from my little Honda Civic. From Louisiana? No, no, from the airport. Oh, shoot. And so I would, okay. <laughs> no, no, but I would throw it. I was in, like the shipping companies, <laughs> bro. <laughs> Again, we didn't know what we were doing. No, but I pick it up from John Wayne and we, I would have boxes of crawfish and my car stunk for years. Like, like that was bad for dating life, bad for all sorts of... <laughs> that sounds disgusting. <laughs> yeah, dude. But um But my parents were asking about every month, like, where was the diploma? I'm like, oh, my just got lost in the mail or something. Yeah. And they would ask every month until the guilt was killing me, and I just told them, and they were pretty upset.
1: I feel as if they would have been upset because you weren't truthful to them, not necessarily because of the career path. In retrospect, it was...
0: They would have been mad at me for, like, maybe a month. Yeah. But this one hurts more when, like, if my kid was being dishonest like that, I would...
1: For a long time. Yeah. Because it was probably, like, a couple years after that was done or a year like at two least. Two years, yeah. Shoot.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, no, you're right.
1: You're right. I, I,
0: In retrospect, a better decision would have been to just be honest with them and...
1: You should just, have just printed out a different... A diploma.
0: Or... <laughs> Mr. Rubberman. <laughs> yeah, I would have been more responsible. Yeah, yeah, I would have done it that way, but Gosh, yeah. The things I did to get through
1: <laughs> to not get grounded for the summer. I remember one year I um I didn't do like I feel as if I'm a pretty smart dude. But, like, I just didn't apply myself during school. So one year for one of the, like, one of the report cards, my first semester I did really well, got all A's. Uh-huh. The second semester, not so good. I, like, met a girl in high school and I was in love. <laughs> so what did school even matter? And yeah, I was playing yeah. in bands. And I knew that my report card wasn't going to be good. So I ended up, like, exacto knifing my grades from semester one and, like, super gluing it onto the, <laughs> onto the new thing. Really? And, yeah, and then just taking, like, a... um I don't know. I just gave that to my dad, like the whole like report card thing. Yeah. Gave that to my dad. I think in retrospect, I could have just changed the date, but like, (laughs) (laughs) but it like passed. And so I didn't get grounded for, you know, I didn't get grounded.
0: Wait. So would you say those skills kind of transferred over to now it's Photoshop and yeah, I guess now now it's it's Photoshop. Now I do that. It's honest, legitimate work. Yeah.
1: Well, I think (laughs) again, it's just like being resourceful and understanding what you can do with what you have. And like, you know, that's that's what it is. You got to kind of think. I don't know. <laughs> Gosh, maybe I shouldn't tell those stories.
0: <laughs> no, no. These are good stories. I think people can relate to those. Yeah, man. Come on, everybody's done it. A
1: hundred percent. A hundred percent. So you went from <laughs> the Cajun Corner Restaurant. Yes. That's still a tongue twister for me. I kind of <laughs> figured it was similar to Boiling Crab when I saw like Cajun Corner, Asian Fusion type of thing, which yeah, is cool. Yeah. And did you directly go over to the France Mart company? Yeah.
0: So by the second year of our business, we started getting franchise requests and we're just excited. We're just like, that's so cool, but how the hell do we franchise? And so I, I did some research and just found some companies that were famous or were good at, at, at franchising companies. And that's when I came across France smart. And so I just figured, you know, I, I, Probably learn the business. I should probably learn that business because I want to be able to franchise my brand. Um, I did meet with the Smart team to to see about franchising my concept, mm-hmm. and they just looked that over. And they're like, you know, you're you're not ready for. There's no proof of concept yet. You don't have any systems in place. And what the hell are systems? Mm. And uh, it's not duplicatable yet. Yeah. So, um, but until then, I I struck you know a really good vibe with them, and they said, you know, hey, do you run the the restaurant? Like passively, and I said, "Yeah, I have some good managers now." They said, "Would you like?" You know, they offered me a job to help them with because they were growing and uh, they were just getting off of like the whole five guys. You know, they're in crazy expansion mode, Mm. and so they gave me a job, and that's pretty much how I learned the ropes. Yeah, and you know, our our generation is always about like job hoppers and not job hoppers, but we 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 don't have like long term four year loyalty to a company. I'm shocked that I was able to stay this long for over 10 years with the company, but it's because every time we take on a new brand, it's like working with a brand new company again. Yeah. So it's really cool.
1: It feels like you're continuously yeah, building. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. So
0: tight. I was able to see a lot of cool brands come through and grow them and go on to the next one. And either they went acquired or they went public or, or things didn't work out. I was able to just start fresh, like maybe once every year with a new brand.
1: So you were offered a job um, as the senior director of development or yes. Yeah. But you didn't have a college degree. Did they know this too? No. Can we talk about that conversation real quick? Because I feel like a lot of the listeners struggle with the idea of like, I don't have a degree. I don't know how I'm going to get a proper job.
0: I think a college degree is, is a good, the way I see it is like, it's like a good insurance policy, mm-hmm. but you don't live your life on insurance policies. You live life on pursuing things you, you want to do or you're curious about. And so or it's also about your character, relationships, and so many other things. I, I'd say that that's like the baseline, but there's so much more in this competitive market. So I had such a great conversation with them that at the end, they're just like, oh, you have a college degree, right? I'm like, no. It's like, eh, whatever. Because after that, they've already grown to like me. They already saw my potential. I was able to bring so much more than a college degree. and So
1: they showed, you showed that you could run a business. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. There's so much more accomplishments and achievements that that I was able to show versus... I think a lot of people can finish, go to college and get their degree, but how many people have been able to say that they started a restaurant and they went against a lot of odds uh, and took a lot of bravery and, cura- and courage. Are you still with them now? With uh, France Mart? Mm-hmm. Uh, I still do independent work for them, but no. So after I, after the Halal guys hired us to turn them into a, f- a franchise, mm-hmm. I told people it's, it's insider trading because I was able to just go back around to them and say, hey, can I buy the brand here? And they just gave it to me and uh, I mean, I had to buy it and I had to present, had to build a team and present uh, the opportunity and all that. But um, To the Halal
1: guys? Yeah. Mm.
0: So, but they, they trusted me and I already had a good relationship with them. So I was able to just buy the franchise, open up. And by the time we got to three stores, it was really busy and um, we started making enough money to where it kind of overshadowed what I did at France Mart. Mm. So I just asked my boss, Dan, if, Hey, I, I think it's time for me to leave and so we left on good terms, and I still do some independent stuff for them.
1: How did that work like was, that wasn 't some sort of like conflict of interest that you were opening up a franchise and doing <laughs> this work while you were working at a company that did exactly that it's actually proof of concept for them
0: I, I always believe that salespeople they 're more effective if they actually believe in it and they actually do they're involved in their company like I love the brand so much that. I took my experience and, and my you know my resources and actually built a business with it, yeah and so it's even better for them, knowing that their workers followed the Francemart system and became a franchisee as well and was able to grow it so uh no no conflict of interest yeah it was a bummer because um i I was their top producer for three years straight, I produced the most revenue for them, um, so that was a bummer. I think from on both sides, uh, but, but it was still a great relationship, good exit. I still talk with Dan all the
1: time, so yeah. Well, was it about the Halal Guys that w- made you want to open up 11 stores?
0: Well, I, I've always loved the Halal Guys. Every time I travel to New York, um, I always make the joke, I, I don't care about the Statue of Liberty or, mm. or the Brooklyn B- Bridge or the Empire State Building. I just want to go to the cart and have some Halal Guys. Right. Um, and so it's always been a personal favorite of mine. Drinking the France Mart Kool-Aid, we've always been like, uh, always looking for the trend. I had like either create the trend or see the trend before anybody else. So the beauty of Five Guys was at the time, Five Guys was playing in a market where no one had ever played in fast casual middle market burgers yet. Either it was the cheap McDonald's or the really expensive chef driven $20 burger. No one served the middle market like Chipotle or Panera bread. Did for burgers and mm-hmm. so um, that's why we decided to grow uh, Five Guys. Right. Same thing with Halal Guys like before Halal Guys came onto the scene, before Luna Grill and Kava, uh, Middle Eastern food was always very um, intimidating, expensive no branding, uh, hard to access because they were always in their Middle Eastern neighborhoods mm. and so it wasn't very accessible to like mainstream America and so I felt that Halal Guys had a, had, a, had a chance to be like a leadership a dominant brand in that space cuz everybody's done pizza and burgers and coffee and all that stuff but no one's done anything for middle eastern food at least on a large scale so that's another reason why I thought it was a good business move as well
1: It's interesting I uh, I used to work at a local SEO firm and it had like a robo dial uh-huh. <clears throat> and when I say local SEO I don't mean like they were in Irvine but I mean like you know press 1 to get on the first page of Google you've gotten <laughs> a bazillion of these calls right Yeah yeah I it accidentally called Halal Guys and I was on the phone with the owner for a while. and really? like Trying to pitch on my stuff and he's just like, oh, I don't know, this doesn't seem right. This was like five years ago, so it must have been like right before they popped off or something yeah, yeah. like that. But it was really interesting because it would call the East Coast, but I looked back and I'm like, the Halal Guys, huh? And then I, re- and I looked him up, I was like, dude, I like talked to this guy about getting them on the first page of Google saying that was going to be the <laughs> thing that like... <laughs> oh, man, man, that,
0: that you been, would have been able to help them so much. Yeah. Um- yeah, they they ran things very mom and pop, mm. very. Uh, and also, there's that cultural um, probably barrier too. But yeah. uh, Thanks for trying to change their lives. Some will, some won't. <laughs> it but. seems like you did. <laughs> <laughs> well, that we got really. We actually took. We actually spent two years before they felt comfortable in pulling the sugar with us. Oh, really? Yeah, they we were always family owned. They were always worried about losing control, of the quality. Uh, they were worried about losing you know, the family essence of it. They were worried about 25 years built and being ruined because some bad franchisee ruins the brand or puts Mm. poison in the food or something, you know. So we actually had to spend two years showing them how franchising works before they gave us a chance. So that was some persistence right there too.
1: What is up you lovely listeners? Sorry to interrupt the episode but I needed to drop a line for my boys over at MikeMe.com. MikeMe has helped this podcast sound incredible over the last year and a half and I put out every single episode with 100% confidence that it's going to sound amazing and it's going to be absolutely legit. Not to mention having them work on my show has helped save an incredible amount of time and headache for me. So it's been one of the best investments that I've made in a very very long time. Now if you if you have a podcast or you're looking to start one on your own, they're editing an episode for free for anybody that goes to micme.com forward slash McHale. So that's mikeme.com M-I-C-M-E forward slash McHale. And you'll get an episode edited for free when you purchase one of their podcast bundles. This is an incredible service. You're absolutely going to love it and you're going to love the team. But before I speak too much, let's get back to the episode. You mentioned that when France Mart was looking to potentially franchise your first restaurant they said that you had no systems in place you were running a profitable business yeah. it seems like yeah right? running a profitable business but they open up the hood they don't see it they see that you don't have any processes in place or systems what were some of those systems and processes that they were looking for because that's what you build now essentially for these franchises right yeah um yeah they
0: just opened it up and they saw that customers love their food but Our food tasted different a lot of the times. There was no consistency. They asked us what were COGS like. What are our food costs? I'm like, what is that? (laughs) And what was the cash register like? It was, uh, what do you mean what was the cash register like? I've just take the money and give them change and that's it. So there's no reporting, um, no intel, no data to show that there's some validity here. Uh, and not only that, you know, we were also the typical Asian business where uh, try not to report too much for taxes. Yeah. Even if we were profitable, our financial statements showed us losing money. And we didn't have that big picture mentality where investors are going to want to look at a profitable business. Franchisees are going to want to look at a profitable business. So it, that was just a few of the th- things. And we also had like 10 different vendors. There's no streamlined vendor. And usually when people buy franchises, they want just one or two vendors. So you
1: had potentially 10 vendors for like your crawfish. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it was so inconsistent. So yeah, there's just no systems in place there.
1: Right. Yeah. So you started to have having to like learn the ropes of doing this uh, and starting to put together systems when you're obviously like replicating things. Yeah. I recently went to one of your talks where you were talking about implementing systems Really, And it was kind of based around like the four-hour work month or four-hour work week or whatever. (laughs) But for whatever reason, when I talk to you, I feel like it's so much more than that. And it's about efficiency and it's about creating something that is easily replicable. How does somebody start to begin to build processes and why do you feel like that's so important for somebody to do no matter what business they're in? Yes, it is a lot more complex than that, and it's not a four-hour work week. And you know, Tim Ferriss also says
0: it's not really a true four-hour work week, but it just allows people to make more. Even if you work eighty hours a week, you just know that those eighty hours, each hour, truly ROI's for you, you know, multiple times over. There's a lot of things you should not be doing, and I think that a lot of people have bandwidth. A lot, what most people don't realize is they have energy bandwidth and they have time bandwidth, and um if most people get caught up in doing all these things that that don't truly add value to their business like no one's ever made like with a few exceptions no one's ever made a million dollars answering emails no one's made a $1 million dollars i guess i don't know doing bookkeeping and so you know when people stop trading hours for 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 dollars and they realize that there's a better way to do things or if they just realize that people are doing things differently and how could it be like a mom and pop shop that can't even see the light of day and then there's people that I've met with that have like 100 McDonald's. Like, what's the difference? And it's not because of... You know, they came from tons of money, or it wasn't because they they had some un, unfair advantage that that these folks can't access. It's mainly the focus on systems, creating a process, step by step system. It's boring as hell, but it's so liberating when you know you have a step by step system that um, someone else can take take away from you, and you can actually clear that space to either. And spend more time with family or you can actually use your brain, your brain capacity to like create some new uh, products and services and serve more people, actually enjoy getting more customers instead of rolling your eyes on like, man, more customers means more work. Right. Um, And so, um, yeah, it doesn't matter what business you're in. It also doesn't matter if you think it only takes one minute of your time. Like, again business owners do a thousand things a day. And if you do those 1000 little things a day that only take a minute, you're, you're going to die by a thousand cuts, (laughs) you know, and you'll, you'll probably be upset that you're not doing anything meaningful. Your competitors are probably moving ahead of you. Mm. You just don't feel fulfilled. So even if you don't try to become like a billion dollar company or international company, and you're like my partner Dean, where he just wants to automate things to spend time with family and be more present, um, I mean that it's still. still was the
1: other guy that was talking. Yeah, yeah. So did you guys start that company together for the VSAs? I actually was his client.
0: Are you that's I was his right. customer for for five years until I realized when I was doing consulting, I started deploying his VSAs to everybody.
1: And like, for the listener, VSA is a virtual or uh, virtual systems, systems architect. Systems architect.
0: Yeah. yeah. In my world in restaurants, I usually tell people restaurants are the stupidest business to do like on paper. The margins are so little. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um margin for error a little as well. And so a lot of my restaurant clients, I I started telling them, hey, why don't you just get a VSA? Uh, You're able to automate everything that you could possibly think of so that you can actually grow or you can actually enjoy your business more. I started probably having 20 clients that started getting VSAs, I'm just like, okay, I can't just like stand by and watch these VSAs uh, be deployed without me benefiting from it too. <laughs> it was a selfish part. So I reached out to Dean and I said, hey, I don't want to be a client anymore. I actually want to partner up with you. Yeah. I think there's more value here than I thought there would be. Sure. So uh, they've been able to automate bookkeeping, automate calendar, which I think, he, I love that you use Amy, by the way.
1: Do you use Amy also? I don't, I don't. So uh, Because you probably have somebody else that...
0: Um, my VSA does it, but uh, no, I should embrace that too. So my VSA has bandwidth as well, right? Gotcha. So um,
1: that thing's been the ultimate lifesaver. Yeah. Yeah, man. Just I like not it. having to look through my calendar and send three emails to like get one meeting in. The back and forth is insane. Yeah, dude. Right? It so. melts my brain. The <laughs> second like I have to be polite to some because sometimes I won't put through put them through the the pain of like of wait I don't mean that. I won't put them through like the. Hmm. I don't want to say arrogance because it's definitely not arrogance on my end. But no. somebody might, on the other end, I know that people have put me off to their assistance and, and I'll feel like this, like, oh, you don't want to talk to me? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're just going to do that. But typically when I get put off to the assistance, they like never follow up anyways. But I don't want to put somebody through that when I'm first meeting them a lot of times. With you, it was so easy because I'm like, you're about this life, so you get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And to the listener too, Amy is an automated email scheduling platform where I just CC Amy in the email and she like negotiates times with the other person so that we have the meeting set up which is great
0: no back and forth
1: no back and forth at least on my end which is fantastic yeah because she can negotiate like if you said none of those times work she would shoot you more times yeah and, uh, dean uses her as well oh yeah okay uh, and the other cool thing
0: is that you can have amy say that hey in an effort to prove uh, to make better use of my time and serve more people and serve clients better blah blah blah, blah. and i think most people are yeah. more like oh that's true <laughs> right? Like, yeah, you know, Mikhail's true. more valuable as a strategist, not as a calendar. Exactly. I don't care if you're the best calendar coordinator in the world. Yeah. Right? <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, um, there was one, one year where I decided to put an auto responder mm-hmm. where, uh, just like, like Tim Ferriss's yeah, where it's yeah, yeah, like, yeah.
1: I only respond to emails from 12 to one or whatever it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So many friends got and anno- so many of my friends got super annoyed by it, but guess what? like, like, I I had the most time to travel. I was actually gone for like a month somewhere, and I didn't feel all the fires were put out by someone else, and mm-hmm. all the issues were taken care of on their own, and people stopped using email as in, instant messaging, right? Mm, yeah, we're, we've been abusing that, so yeah, it's been good.
1: That's a hundred percent true. Yeah. So I I believe that when I was listening to, or when I was at that talk and listening to you talk, that y- you said something along the lines of you send like anywhere between 1 and 5 emails and like the franchise is basically opened up for you because you have so many systems put in place and I could have heard this wrong but I felt like there was something super powerful that you have so many systems put in place that you can send like 5 emails and the entire like franchise will open up yeah um oh shit you're just like yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i thought there was going to be a little pushback I, I, I'm, like
0: i am not that good i say dean is he's more of like the systems engineer guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm more of like the business strategist, the vision, the big picture guy. Mm. Uh, whereas Dean is more like, he's the one that handles operations and he can engineer. It's just like coding, but not as like high tech. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much if if you spend the time to create the step-by-step system and it's the if-then-this-then-that yeah. and, and a checklist, uh, yeah, like my VSAs can can pretty much help a brand go from one-unit mom-and-pop to getting fully registered, um, start capturing people, investor information, uh, selling the franchise, working with marketing companies. Uh, Once a franchisee buys the franchise, the, the, the checklist will allow the VSA to pretty much walk them down the step of a thousand things that need to happen before a store opens without my involvement. Uh, And it's not necessarily my, I always tell people like, it's not because I'm letting go of control, but this VSA copies me on everything. It's just the beauty is that I'm not the bottleneck. I'm not the one that has to write the email how to do this or that, but they copy me on everything. And yeah, here's the first step. You need to start looking for real estate. Here's the things you need to look for in real estate. And uh, here's where you start needing to contract your design company for interior design. Here's where you get all the supplies, blah, 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 blah. And like, they can do all that without my involvement.
1: That's pretty amazing.
0: And, and the cool thing is that these brands appreciate the rapid response and they know that like holy cow like uh, uh, I can actually send referrals to these guys and they know that I have the bandwidth to take on more clients or I can, I can sell, they have more confidence that they can like open a hundred stores because they know that the rapid response and the, the systems in place are there. So it, it, it kind of reinforces it. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that is really cool. Yeah. So, let's take um any like any business. I think there's some fundamental things that every business has, maybe it's sales, marketing and accounting. Sure. What are some of the first things in your opinion that you feel like somebody can easily automate and create a system for so they don't have to be so hands-on on it?
0: A lot of small mom and pops, it takes time to really see the light, right? It usually went like when you're working with a client for for branding and marketing, like most of the times they feel like they just need their needs met, right? And then once you're able to help them with that, like they didn't realize you could do this, 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 and this. And with your freed up time or with your increased revenue that you're able to help them, like wow, all these other things are possible. So usually I, I try not to blow their minds too too early on. And I just say, Hey, you know, what do you do right now that you absolutely hate? Or what do you know that if you did more of like eight hours a day um, that would change the, the trajectory of your business? They say things like oh bookkeeping or they say things like answering customer service requests. And so, I pretty much sit down with them, have them record what they do on a daily basis, and what they usually spend like one to two hours a day doing like within the next day or so it, it create there's a system created, and their workload is off their plate completely
1: because that's immediately sent over to a virtual assistant yeah, or something yeah wow.
0: and and they never have to do it with it again it's so liberating, and I'm just like and now now that their time is freed up like an extra hour or two, like now they can. Wow! Now I can actually start f- focusing on new new in my world. It's new menu items that like, could be competitive or unique or differentiate us from the competition. Great! So let's actually uh, record what you're doing here with your recipes, and the, they do the recipes, and now the VSA has automated that. And like, holy cow! And so a lot of people, I think Dean, that one night he said like it. it these folks after they realize they're liberated, they, it it feels like crack. They're just like, what else can I do? Now they can reach out to all the local businesses for catering opportunities. Now they can manage the social media a little bit more um, actively. Um, They can, when customers ask questions, um, now the VSAs have like a a running document, like an FAQ. Mm -hmm. So now now the VSAs are answering questions immediately to consumers. And whenever there's a new question that they don't know, they just ask the owner. The owner answers once. They take that question, they add it to their FAQ and never bother the owner ever again. And it gets smarter and smarter and smarter. It's like a chatbot, chat yeah. right? Um, old school chatbot. But um, yeah, it, usually that's how I, I break in.
1: So customer service is a big one that people start with first, like answering those types of questions? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. After a while, they you didn't go to this one... Wait, were you there at that talk where George, mm. the owner of that packaging company? I was there. Okay, so so he's... He's taken it to another level. Like he's trying to train these guys to actually do some of the design, r- r- give customers quotes. Uh, they follow up with customers on quotes. Uh, they they automate so much that the owner truly is now like, you can now can be as valuable as possible. Sure. You know.
1: Let's talk about starting our first mm, like SOP or first system. Sure. How do you usually begin it? I know that with Dean, it was like he videoed recorded it. Yeah.
0: So you just download a. Um, we usually tell folks that it's just try and commit to it five minutes a day. It's a mindset change first, right? Yeah. So it's five minutes a day, no different than meditating or brushing your teeth. I'll download one of these free programs that records what you do on the screen and can record your voice. And we usually say Jing. There's also Loom. Is mm-hmm. there one that you
1: use? I mean, Macs just have it on there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, QuickTime. Yeah. Stuff like that. And so every day, just. Before you start to do anything, just turn on the video and just go through emails on things that you normally do on a repetitive basis. And now you you can actually turn it on and say, hey, this is actually how I respond to my emails every day now. This is how I respond to this email, that email, this email, and then I just turn it off. And then what you do is you just send that video over to your dedicated VSA. And within a day, they have a step-by-step system of how to do things. They have screenshots of certain parts of your video that are important to show uh, how to do something. And then you just skim it through and just say, "Hey, this actually meets how I how I need things to be done." And then from now on, you can actually have your VSA go into your email and just respond to everything from now on, or oh, and <laughs> and just copy on everything so that you know it's being done, and so that you're always plugged in and in the know and. Yeah, your time is free to do something else. Yeah. yeah, That's so crazy, man. That's it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: and But do you feel like this is something effective? And I think George talked about this a little bit because he was having the packaging design. There was a little bit of a creative aspect and some critical thinking there. Yeah. Do you think that you can set up systems for critical thinking and creativity as well?
0: See, I'm not the creative type. And so that'll probably be up to maybe a conversation with George. But... Mm. There is some structure and some fundamentals that don't change. Yeah. For example, like if your brand is this certain color, and always this color, or there's always these margins, um, uh, or there's always these messages or this font, um, you can at least go to a certain degree, certain point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or a lot of it's just coordination between designers as well or or, or people working on a project. You can probably coordinate to, to that degree. Right. Um, I think it's possible for, and that's a conversation with George, where you can like go all the way through to the end product for design, but... Until then, I guess that that that's left to be known.
1: I don't know. That's the one thing where I'm like, okay, cool, because there's so much like machine learning. Like they could probably run ads for you and make decisions based yeah. off of diff, different criteria. There's so and like much what data ads, now. Yeah, there's so yeah. much. There's like relatively easy stuff. I guess that it like VSA's um, could potentially do. Where uh, you know the creativity aspect, like that's there's a lot of theories that with all of these robotics and machine learning that really what's going to be left is just the creativity aspect of things which makes a yeah. lot of sense you yeah. know it's hard to program creativity i think but it's an important lesson to take away i think <laughs> what are some of the like what are some really weird things you have an automated system for
0: you know i'd say i'm pretty boring a lot of my stuff is like calendars they research travel for me they do my bookkeeping they actually do a lot of my sales uh, i actually have a client that was franchising and so they can actually do prospecting for you too. Mm-hmm. One of our clients, uh, they hired a VSA to manage their dating. And what, yes, okay, okay. I I can't tell you who which client it is. That's perfectly uh, but, fine. But they, <laughs> they said they actually have a VSA that goes on Tinder, and depending on certain <laughs> eye color, I can't even do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't. No, they've told me like certain eye color, certain. Um, a certain nose shape, a certain like skin tone or wow. something. They they either swipe right or swipe left and then they schedule those dates for them.
1: <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, dude. Wow.
0: So, yeah, I'm that's boring but, but my clients have been able to show me some really cool best practices and not I don't know if that's a best practice, but some really cool ways that they've been able to use their their VSAs. I mean, it's
1: smart. It's it's definitely smart. Do you have like um do you use like Alexa or anything like that at home? Uh I don't. No. I don't. Any reason in particular? It seems like um, something that you would do.
0: I, I say I say Dean is more the techie person. Sure. I, I've always just been the client and I'm pretty sure I'm not it's just like you don't use 10% of your you only use 10% of your brain or 10% mm-hmm. of your phone. There's so much more that that my clients are teaching me about mm-hmm. what I can do in my business cuz my stuff is pretty low tech, right? It's just sales and consulting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like crazy automatic automatic uh systems and and I'm learning more every day.
1: Maybe part of me is hesitant cuz It's not Apple. I don't. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, there you go. I like that. Apple's my
0: whole life. So
1: I wish Siri was a little bit better. You know what I mean. That's the one thing I love about. uh, I call mine Echo because my fiance's name is Alexa, so that's really frustrating. So the one thing I tell uh, when I ask Echo a question, she gives me a straight answer. Yeah, and I love that. Whereas like Siri is like. I found three results that resembled that. I'm like, come on, man! Like, I needed you to pick that out for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely first word world, world problem. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, that's really interesting to me. And I think what you got, and it's, I 100% believe in what you're doing. And Thank one you. thing that I've learned as a business owner is that I have gotten caught up in the idea that nobody can do what I do. You know what I mean? And to a certain extent, there's like. There are some truths to that. Maybe when it comes to you know prospect like how to selling deals or whatever it is, but not saying like I'm better than everyone. But it's like it's it's literal operations in my in my company where it's like, oh, at one point in time, it's like oh, uh, nobody in my company could build a website from scratch, like whatever. So I'll do it, whatever that whatever that thing might be. Yeah. And then like I started building out a lot of these processes as well within the company to make sure that quality was uh, kept up. Um, with the content that we're putting out and so on and so forth and now it's like bringing a client and in a similar fashion like all of these things happen and all this progress is made with that client and I don't really have much to do with it Yeah. but I think one of the challenges that you probably see as well is that business owners are so reluctant to let go because they feel like oh I'm the only person that can do this
0: I'd say ego is the biggest bottleneck in my world I'd say that I, I always think that no one can do what I do as well Mm. Um, but I think what Dean does is he just challenges me, he's like, "Just create the video anyway. Just create the video." And, and when I create the video, usually they, they do a better job than me, or they do maybe 90 percent of what I can do. But holy cow, like that's 90 percent I don't have to do anymore. So it still changes it, it still blows my mind as well. Yeah And not only that, it's more like, where can I be even more valuable? Mm-hmm. Now that this has been taken away, like where can I be more valuable? And like you said, the creative, if all you had to do is just be creative all day, I'm pretty sure you'd be like, like on fire all the time and you don't have to worry about anything else. And maybe it's also the, yeah, it's just creativity is like that gift that keeps on giving, right? It doesn't, it doesn't deplete. It's just, you need to make more time for it. If you can make more time for it, then you've just made yourself a lot more valuable than the competition, Usually, yeah, we just I'd just make the video, yeah, just like the just just press record, just send <laughs> just send it, you know, just ship it exactly. You don't know what can happen.
1: So once I get that SOP back, so I press I press record, send it to a VSA, whether it's through you guys or somebody else, yeah, they create the SOP, I get it back. Like now, what somebody still has to implement that?
0: Yeah, it's uh, now that you give it the okay, mm-hmm. uh, your VSA executes it every day. Not for so the cool thing is that a, a lot of virtual assistants. Uh, they're just treated like employees, right? Like you got to train them, you got to manage them. Now it's another thing you have to manage on top of employees. uh, And if it doesn't work out, you got to fire them. And just like, it's frustrating having to go through the process again. Whereas our VSAs, they they not only create those processes, but they execute those processes every day for you, not like without fail. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing is that if you decide that, hey, I want to take this in-house, you can let them go and you can hire somebody in-house and just say, hey, follow these steps and they can continue without a hitch. Or you could just say, hey, this VSA is not working out or I actually need more VSAs. They can take on more, uh, they can replace the VSA and they just follow the same systems. Mm. The way I see it is it's just like um, McDonald's where they can hire any high school kid off the street because you've already eliminated so much of the variability where the kid just needs to press the fry button. That's it. You know, so we we systemized that part so that way, no matter who comes in, they can execute it. Yeah, yeah, and, and they don't. It's not like another pain in the butt to manage.
1: Yeah. You mentioned Dean a couple times. He has seven kids. I'm his fanboy. are his fanboy. <laughs> he has seven kids. Yeah, and he's still able to run a business. Yeah, still able to detox because he was there that night and the yeah. whole thing. So, yeah, I mean, if you can have seven kids and still operate a business and it's through <laughs> VSAs, there's something. Something Real to be said there. here, yeah. And for clarification, like these things aren't robots; they're like human beings. They're
0: humans. Um, we
1: just, just like most smart
0: financial investors, they take advantage of arbitrage, right? Mm. Um, just like forex market is arbitrage and stuff. So we pretty much, what we think is expensive, uh, or what we think we can't, what is too good to be true, is actually very realistic in other parts of the country, in parts of the world. So in the Philippines right now, like the cost of doing business and living is so low that even though we charge our clients below minimum wage and they don't have to pay payroll taxes or workers comp or get attracted to lawsuits <laughs> um, they it, it's they're living like that's a pay for an executive out there mm. it's like middle management to managerial to executive pay yeah over there and so we're not we're not we're not screwing people over by paying them cheap prices. That's that's a pay that, that takes care of their family and their extended family. Uh, and they have the craziest work ethic that I think is it beats most Americans as well. Mm-hmm. And um, Respect to the it, Philips a,
1: out there. Yeah. <laughs> I can say that. <laughs> yeah. So I heard you're not full Filipino, right? I'm full Filipino.
0: I don't know where I... Last, you were uh, watching
1: one of, an Instagram story, probably, and you saw a really brown cousin. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, "That's not right." I, I remember in a podcast
0: interview you did with someone, you mentioned that, or maybe it's the one that you interviewed the 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 female that she ran her own like yoga studio, mm. and you said something
1: about Indian. Yeah. So first of all, thank you for listening to any of my podcasts. I <laughs> appreciate awesome. that. I love your podcast. Really? Yeah. That makes me happy because one of your top interests on LinkedIn is listening to podcasts. <laughs> so like, I take I I take that to heart. Thank You're you in my very top much. ten, dude. Really? Yeah.
0: Fuck yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, and I talked <laughs> to you privately about this. What I love about your your style of interviews, it's so fluid and it's so real and it's um, we talked about context. Yeah. Right. Like there's a lot of context that gets missed on a lot of things people talk about. So anyway.
1: I appreciate that. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. no, it's... So it. my, my dad married my mom when I was six months old. He's not my biological father. Okay. Yeah, but he like raised me, so he's my dad and he's Indian. Okay. Right, so by blood, I'm full Filipino, but I'm actually like, man, I do... Tons more Indian stuff than I do, like, than I I do, like, Filipino stuff. Because he had such a big influence on you? Yeah, and I'm just closer with that side of the family. We hang out all the time. Like, this last weekend, I spent time with that side of the family. I'm not very tight with the other side. Interesting. Like, like nothing really other than we're just, like, not super tight. But I did inherit the work ethic that I know. (laughs) So I'm not crazy. No, you're not crazy. (laughs) You're like, dude, you don't look like, does he know that he's not (laughs) Indian?
0: I. No, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm just embarrassing myself publicly right
1: now." No, 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 That same thing happened with uh, with Alexa actually. Like when I showed her a picture of my family, it was all my Indian side of the family, <laughs> and then she's looking at it like,
0: this "Does gotta he be a joke? know?" This like, has gotta be a joke. Yeah. Where's the joke? Where does yeah. Ashton Kutcher come out? And
1: it's the most hilarious thing too because I hang out with my uncle a lot, and he and he's like, "Yeah, this is my nephew," and like we just don't look the same. So everybody's like, "Okay." Oh, that's okay. What I'm
0: like. Okay.
1: I forgot where we were. Oh yes, the VSAs, the 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 work ethic and everything. Yes. So you're paying them a great wage. They're able to support their families. Yeah. And they're super well spoken. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there's not a lot of a language barrier or anything like that.
0: No, no, not at all. I'd say um we've had VSAs from India. Mm-hmm. Um however the Indian uh, you know the, the it's not necessarily a stereotype or anything. It's just the the cultural. There's mm-hmm. a lot of cultural like uh, divides that mm-hmm. that a lot of hoops that need to be jumped over. But with with the Philippines, um yeah, the English is solid and I think the cultural aspect has been really good. So because a lot of our clients need VSAs to actually make sales calls. Yeah. And do customer service calls. And they call vendors and they call so it, it's become a lot easier that way. So
1: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I gotta ask, um uh, in the beginning of the podcast i asked i said that like absolutely loves restaurants like is this is this true are you a foodie whatever because you also mentioned that uh you saw a great business opportunity so are you passionate about the restaurants too and the food too i'm passionate about the aspect that i've been able to help people build wealth and
0: reach some pretty cool heights let people pretty much pursue their passions as far as food itself um I'm not necessarily a foodie. My wife is the foodie. Mm. Before I met my wife, uh, I was actually eating El Pollo Loco every day for a whole year. I every was day, I was yeah, like without fail. Uh, you know Tim Veris' uh, book, The Four Hour Body. No. Oh, okay, that thing changed my life. That thing, I, I lost like 50 pounds. And
1: did he say eat El Pollo Loco every no, day? No,
0: but but he had he had the slow carb diet. Okay, where it's just nothing but carbs. Uh, nothing but like protein, mm-hmm. and don't worry about the calorie content. Just eat, just eat no carbs.
1: I did take one concept out of that book though, because I've read from him, Tribe of Mentors, and I love that book. And then there's another one too that was similar, like Tools of Titans. Tools of Titans, and I think at one point or in a podcast he said something along the lines of like. I just told myself I didn't deserve carbs until I saw a line that went all the way down my stomach. Like, it might have been in a podcast. I don't know if it was in that book, but like, for a year, I was like, I don't deserve carbs.
0: oh my gosh
1: that's crazy yeah it's by crazy by the way
0: I, I listen to your podcast more than I listen to Tim Ferriss's
1: oh yeah that's awesome thank you <laughs> his are also three hours long so it's a little bit harder to like it's digest. hard to digest yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I love how that. he goes
0: deep though he goes super deep he does is awesome
1: Tim Ferriss and what's the other guy's name um, Impact Theory Tom Bilyeu. Oh, I love like have you listened to Tom Bilyeu no the the problem is with Tom Bilyeu is he interviews a lot of the same people that like Lewis Howes, Gary Vaynerchuk, like there's a, there's like this, you know, these friends that just pass around members. So you yeah. keep hearing the same things, yeah but it, Tom Billu's intros are like life goals. You know right. what I mean? So what was great with you is like, there was a lot of content for me to work with online. So I was able to do research and, and like, and, you know, really open it up in such a great way, which gets you pumped up, gets the audience pumped up. Um, but Listen to like two or three of Tom Biliew's impact theory, his yeah. intros are just like mind blowing. They'll go on for five minutes. He knows everything about the person, does like full immersive, like full full immersive like deep dives where he le- reads every book, listens to every podcast, so he has one hundred percent context on that person. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I gotta check him out. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty cool. I think you'll like it. But anyways, Thank you. so you ate El Pollo Loco for <laughs> every I feel like that could make somebody sick. And by the way, like if I'm gonna eat fast food. Well, first of all, it'll probably be McDonald's or Halal, guys. But like <laughs> <No>. <laughs> if I'm going to eat fast food, like I'll probably Loco is one of the ones that I go to. Like you can, there's, it feels a little bit better than most of the other fast better food, but I feel like food. that could have made you sick.
0: No, <laughs> uh, no. I, I, okay. There's actually a, uh, a productivity uh, thing here too. Okay. Um, I think I said this during the talk too, but. Um, and one of the things to to be live a more productive life is uh, you also not only do you have time bandwidth but you also have energy you also have a decision making bandwidth as well mm. and the less decisions you have to make uh, the more you can dedicate that energy to make more meaningful decisions and one of those things Tim Ferriss said that I don't want to ever have to make the decision of what I'm going to wear. Mm-hmm. Which is why his fashion style sucks, right? And oh, just like a uh, Mark Zuckerberg wears a hoodie every day, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and Steve Jobs wears the same turtleneck. Uh, and I don't ever have to. I don't ever have to worry about where I'm going to eat. Mm-hmm. I'd rather use that decision making ability to create life changing strategies or products, services, and serve more people in a more meaningful way. Yeah. So uh, that that was another kool-aid that i drank as well it's not just because i wanted to lose weight but it's just like i am so free to not have to think about where i'm going to eat
1: dude it's it's so true though yeah. like do you prepare your clothes before you go to bed by any chance uh no because i wear the i have almost the same the stuff same thing every day. Every day. Yeah, yeah right yeah so mine's not really like the clothes part it's more of like digging it out of the hamper of clothes that i didn't fold which tilts <laughs> me so like i don't care what i wear it's always jeans and a t-shirt of yeah. thing right yeah um but it's little things like that that, like for me, like starts the day so much better. I know exactly what I'm doing in the first thing in the morning, and yeah. like I don't think about the first two hours of my day, and I'm like good. Like I feel like I can do a lot, but it's true to not Kudos make those you, decisions. Man. That's awesome. Yeah, and, but you and do and a lot crazy. of similar things. Yeah, but
0: it's like uh, it's it's so little that no one thinks that it's it's gonna it's gonna take up the RAM, right? Yeah. But but it's it's so meaningful.
1: It's fun. Have you ever read the book Discipline Equals Freedom? Is that from what, a it, Navy SEAL, dude? Yeah, it's from. What's his name? Jocko, Wall- Jocko Williams. Jocko yeah, will yeah, yeah. Is it discipline equals freedom? Something like that. That's uh, his whole like ethos, I feel like, is is that concept. Oh, interesting. But okay. I think it's absolutely true. So, like some people will look at like some people will look at eating uh, you know, El Pollo Loco every single day, and they'll be like, Oh, that sounds boring and like whatever. You're like, not really, because now I get to use my brain for like greater things than figuring out what to eat for lunch, and I feel free because yeah. I know that 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 decision's made for me. Yeah they can say that i'm like are you exhausted yeah
0: <laughs> can you make any more decisions or yeah so it's okay
1: <laughs> it's okay to be judged so not the foodie so more no. passionate about like the actual business setting up the systems and helping other people achieve yeah. you know things that they didn't think that they could before yeah to this day i still don't know how to cook really yeah i don't know how to cook all that time at the at the craft or at cajun
0: <laughs> yeah i i did it for about I mean, okay, that's actually. Oh, you a lie. did say
1: that the food never tasted the same.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I always make the joke where like these stores are successful. Halal Guys does really well because I'm not in the kitchen. <laughs> I, I there's so much people. There's so many peop, like again. I, I always believe that ego is, is the biggest bottleneck. Like I know some people are better than me, and so just hire the the, the right best people for the job, and and they they've helped they've helped us grow to 11 stores. That like, there's no way I could have done it by me cooking, you know, and so. Um, So yeah, (laughs) no, I'm not cooking.
1: Man, uh, I feel like you've shared so much with us today and I thank you so much for that. There's one thing that I want to have you back on in the future and that's definitely like how you incorporate business in your faith, which is something that we didn't touch on today, but I definitely want to do that very soon. Sure. Before I wrap with the last question of the day though, uh, if somebody wants to connect with you, how can they find you?
0: Uh, I'd say LinkedIn is probably the best way to reach out. Um, It's linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Paul T. Tran. Um, I also have my Instagram handle, which is uh, Paul T Tran as well. Um, but I'm more
1: responsive on uh, on LinkedIn. I love that. My Instagram is more like just posting random things when I want to. And if somebody wanted to start setting up systems for for themselves, they sure. can talk. They can talk to you too. Right? Yeah, you
0: can reach out to me there, or you can go to uh, legion dot business as well. Um, but um the beauty of creating systems is I I actually get to like spend time with these new business just like how you like to talk to people first yeah. before you start leading down the 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 process like I love chatting about business owners who and I and I love hearing what they do and um and so yeah I, I'd love to chat with anybody about what they do and figure out how to how to put it on acceleration so
1: I love that. Yeah, thank you for your time man. Yeah, absolutely. So the last question of the day what is one decision that you are consistently making on a weekly or monthly basis today that you wish you could outsource or send to a VSA to make it, make the decision for you?
0: <laughs> that I wish mm-hmm. raising my kids is not, 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 no, that's not the right thing to say. <laughs> 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 no. Um, when you first started off that question, I already had an answer. Like what's one thing I do every day? Like I, I do, I do have three things that I write that I'm, Grateful for every day, mm-hmm. but then when you said why well, I can outsource, I'm like I can't outsource that. Yeah, gosh, you stumped me, man. That's that. I think <laughs> that means I've systemized almost everything, or uh, th- that I do right now that I wish I did earlier. Mm-hmm. I say handling my emails. That's a good one because emails. It's so easy to get sucked into emails, and it's so easy to feel like you're productive on email, and it's yeah. so misleading. And the moment I've put on autoresponders or had my VSA take care of emails, like. I realize i i am a lot more joyful, and uh, I feel like I'm actually more present with people. I'm not ending the night handling emails I'm actually tucking my kids in i still even though they're eleven and twelve and it's uncool. I still get to read them bedtime stories because oh. I don't have emails, and I get to watch t v with my wife because I have because no more emails and so <laughs> I'd say emails is probably the the biggest biggest lead domino that's made everything. Uh, a lot better.
1: Was I talking to you or talking to a VSA when we scheduled this?
0: <laughs> I guess we'll never know. <laughs> no, it was me, dude. Was me. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh,
1: to the listener, thank you so much for your time and attention. We really appreciate it. If you love the episode, we would dig a five-star review. If you didn't like it that much, feel free to stick it to us but subscribe <laughs> anyway because we're going to have a lot of incredible people just like Paul back on the show. Thanks again, man. Oh, thanks, Mikhail. Appreciate it, man.